Sales Tuners, Episode 112, Jorge Lana, Director of Growth Strategy at Parsley. That's what I like it actually from this role. It's like understanding, going very deep in an industry and then being able to communicate this knowledge actually to our partners so they can make their job better. This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown, the only weekly show where we talk about the attitude, action, and ability that gets sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. It's time. It's time. It's Sales Tuners time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Andre Gide, who said, man cannot discover new oceans unless he has the courage to lose sight of the shore. This week, I'm joined by Jorge Lana, Director of Growth and Strategy for the EMEA region at Parsley. Currently based out of Madrid, Jorge is extremely experienced in international sales of online media, marketing, and ad tech, having led revenue initiatives in Spain, Italy, England, France, and the United States. Fluently speaking four different languages, Jorge told me his love and curiosity of international people started at a young age when he just wondered what else was out there. I picked up quite a bit in meeting Jorge, but I think the main thing was why you need to change your mindset away from what you can sell to someone and instead to how you can become an industry expert. From presence at events, to conducting primary research in your field, to the point that others start seeking you out. Before we dive in, I want to do another call out for free coaching help. I'm putting together a new format for the show where I will help work through your current challenges. It's very easy to send me your question. Just go to salestutors.com slash askjb and click the record button. For most of you, I will answer your question in an upcoming episode. And for a few, I will actually bring you on the show for a full coaching session. So pause the show now, go to salestutors.com slash askjb and send me your questions. All right, make sure you stick around until the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. You can also check out all the links and show notes at salestuners.com slash 112. But now let's get to the conversation where Jorge talks about why he originally hated sales. Since I was very young, I was always curious about international, the, the world basically outside of Spain. And, and, and I was born and, and, and raised here in Spain, but I was traveling every, every, mo- I mean, every summer uh, to Ireland, to London, so summer schools and all this stuff. And that, in the end, it, it got part of myself. Uh, so when I came to, came to university and then uh, my, my first uh, jobs and work experience, I was always like trying to look for international experience. That, in the end, I became a professional as well, and I... I started my career at L'Oreal in the marketing department. I wasn't doing sales. I hated sales, to be honest. Like I didn't like the commercial guy. I actually remember when the marketing, when the, in one of my first interviews at L'Oreal, they asked me to become part of sales. And I thought it wasn't sexy. I wanted to be the guy who was analyzing the data and was making the decisions. So there are many things that changed there. But talking about the international experience, I think it's very interesting to see how local cultures can influence as well in the in the whole sales process i've been working now in i mean i've been working in france i've been working in italy in england spain and united states including the new york city london paris milan and madrid and i've been working as well in different multinational size companies from l'oreal to small startups as well like my own company 
That's something that I've been very interested in observing as I've traveled uh, throughout the last several months is observing other people in their natural environment. And what I mean by that is, right, you know, when you travel as a tourist, you go to the tourist destinations, you might go to like some of the restaurants and pubs and whatnot, but you you don't see people how they live, right? And so the reason like I'm taking a full month in, in these different countries is because I'm living in houses, in neighborhoods. I want to see people, you know, walk to the coffee shop and walk to the pub and I want to meet the neighbors. And hopefully you know, I've been invited over to dinner a few times and things like that. Like, but getting to observe how they think and the way they look at the world has been very interesting for me. And I know that applies to sales. And it's a part of the reason why I'm, I'm loving getting the chance to talk here uh, to you. I want to get specific real quick, just so that everybody gets a, a ground floor uh, introduction here. Tell me about your sales process today. What is Parsley? And, and why does a typical customer buy from you, Jorge? So Parsley is a software company. It's specialized on understanding basically the online audience attention. Uh, we work for media companies like Time Inc., Conde Nast, Wall Street Journal, and so on. But we also work with like big multinational companies, like just to mention some of them, PricewaterhouseCoopers or Unilever. And basically what we do is to help teams out uh, from these companies to understand their only online audience behavior. That's basically what we do at Parsley. We have our headquarters in New York City, but we have uh, the whole team is spread out around the world. I'm one, I mean, one of the guys who is based in Europe, we have an office in London and working remote from Madrid and traveling around Europe, like going to Paris, going to Zurich, going to Berlin, Milan, and so on to basically present our services, trying to understand the local needs, uh, not only the value perspective, but also pricing can be different depending on each country. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I never really uh, thought about that, but like, I guess it makes sense. What is a lot of money maybe in one country is way too much money in another country, or maybe in others, it's not even enough. So I, I've been interested in that localization as well. Uh, but, but before I, I get too far, I want to understand that you haven't always been in sales and you already said like, you didn't even think sales was sexy. You weren't interested in that. So take me way back. How did you actually even get uh, into the roles that you're in today? As I mentioned in the beginning, I started to work. Uh, my, my my professional experience was marketing in the beginning, and yeah, and company after company, uh, all my mentors and managers were telling me like, I think you should try sales. I think you should try commercial. Like, I think uh, my 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 mindset is always like trying to to find and satisfy the needs of my customers or partners or the people that works like or live around me. Like I'm, I'm a connector. I like to connect people. I like to discuss with them their problems. And, and it could be professional or personal. At some point uh, after this uh, entrepreneur experience in a ad tech company in New York, one of the hottest tech companies at the time, it was 2012. It was Outbrain. And, and they told me, if you want to come back and create an, a company in the future again, the best role you can choose right now in a tech company is to be a salesperson because in the end in life, you're going to have to sell to everyone. You're going to have to sell to your investors. You're going to have to sell to your employees. You're going to have to sell to your customers. You're going to have to sell to your providers and even in personal life, right? Like you have to, you have to sell to your wife and everyone, your parents, etc. So you finally had that realization, but take me back into your, your mindset, right? Cause you've told me like in Europe, you guys don't like, the word sales and, and so much so that you even change the title. So you don't have to say that you're a salesperson, but you in America, you know, we seemingly love sales and it's like a, a badge of honor to say that you're a salesperson. Talk to me about that cultural difference and what it did to you in your, your mind. When I, when I came to the U S uh, I wasn't still thinking about, I'm going to be a sales guy. 
that it became. Uh, and yeah, and that's what I appreciate actually uh, is that a lot of people in the US, they're very proud of, oh, hey, I'm a sales guy at this company, I'm a sales guy at this other company. While in Europe, I think uh, this is my personal view, as you mentioned, Leah, we're all trying to, hey, I'm, I'm a kind of like a personal, not professional consultant or more like a, a strategic business development and things like that, because I feel like in Europe, like the culture is, is, is definitely different. I think in the US is much more aggressive and these sales personalities are very proud and they're speaking in conference, like how successful they are. While in Europe is more like, hey, how we help each other, I'm going to help to this guy to make, uh, to make this project happen. Not saying that in the U.S. doesn't is not that way as well. This uh, consultative approach, but I feel that historically the sales role in the U.S. has been very successful or or, or better perceived in the society. But it, it has to happen. No, it doesn't matter where you are. You uh, the companies still have to sell something to someone else for them to grow and for there to be jobs and things like that. So, how do you overcome that mindset? I think at some point I realized that sales wasn't what I thought in my mind, right? And right, like in the beginning, I felt like, oh, this person is a guy who's calling on the phone and going in his car and visiting clients and all this stuff, which is part of it. But I think, uh, I think working also in software tech or in ad tech uh, changed my mind because it's much more complex than that. It's like you can go very deep in product. You can become an, an industry expert. You can give me in events, giving, I mean, speeches about uh, industry insights. And I think all that, that's what I like it actually from this role. It's like understanding, going very deep in an industry and then being able to communicate this knowledge actually to our partners so they can make their job better. I think that's the the change of my on my mindset actually. And then I realized also all the CEOs and big corporations and so on, in the end, they are either engineers or but salespeople as well. So they're people actually that they're able to communicate very well with their employees and ver communicate very well with their with their partners. So if I'm seeing actually, personally, actually, our CEO is quite involved on the sales team. And I think it's great, actually. I think the CEOs actually are the top sellers of the company, not only with customers, but also across the whole industry. Yeah, I can totally see that. You, you, you talked about communication a lot. I definitely want to go there in a minute because I know you guys are remote first. Talk to me more about like the uh, the cultural differences that you've you've seen. And, and here's why I'm asking that specifically. We just talked about Europe and the United States. That's totally fine. But you've sold big, big dollars in five different countries and in multiple different languages. Talk to me about going from Madrid to Paris to London to, to, to Berlin. And how do you keep that context switch going when you're selling? I think uh, what it really helped me is to have experience in these countries before. So, and also having friends in all these countries makes me feel comfortable and excited about it. I think if I'm going to Japan now, I would be very excited, but I wouldn't have a clue actually how they do business. And I would be probably, it would take me longer time. I think when you've been having experience in these countries and you know the local language, as you mentioned before, you can understand better the culture. You can understand also like what's motivating people and what's the way to act, you know, or what's the what's the way to negotiate or or just living. So part of it is, is also my passion to 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 be with international people as well. But yeah, going back to to the basics, actually, I would say like in it's very very different actually to do business in New York, Paris, or Milan. Like, there is nothing to do. Like, there is completely, completely different negotiations. People might not be trusting you if you're not, like, if you don't have refer local referrals, if you don't speak the local language. They're going to be more suspicious or they're not going to be able to trust you as more as they would trust the local player. 
So that's why always we see also local players coming up and then they are successful in some specific markets, but not globally. I think also uh, I've seen that actually, uh, US top seller coming to Europe and not being able to connect basically with some countries in Europe. I would say the Nordic countries, they are, they're very good at that. Like they, they speak very good English and they are very open to new technologies and, and open to the world because they are small countries. But I think countries like France, Italy, Spain, Germany, and so on, they're very proud of their history. And as a consequence as well, like they're look, trying to look for relationships in, in, in local countries instead of like, hey, I'm going to outsource from the United States or I'm going to outsource from Japan, right? So I, I can't get over the language right away because I can't just pick up a new language. But if you were, you know, most of my audience today is still U.S. based. If you were to give my my U.S. sales reps listening to this show one piece of advice about how they can localize themselves as much as possible to start selling into a different country or culture, what might that be? Well, I think it's starting with the small details, right? Like, uh, and I've seen actually reps uh, that they are not local English speak. I mean, sorry, not local uh, European countries speakers. Starting with the small things about understanding the culture or yes, giving details like bonjour instead of hi, you know, like trying to at least show an intention that, hey, I'm not just sending this email or this presentation all over the world and it's the same, but I'm trying to do an effort and I'm trying to adapt it to your local country, you know? I think that would be the first. And the second one, I know we were remote first, actually, but one of the reasons because we're remote first is because we want to be closer to different regions. So I think if the customers or potential partners, they see you in person and you are being able to connect with them, even if it's in the local, in a different language, I think nowadays a lot of business is done in English uh, and it's still the case. And I think it's going to be more and more. So I think like, being in, trying to be in person, I think video can help as well, but being in person and build a relationship long term. And uh, so they see that you're making the effort, from, like you travel maybe from the US to Paris or Berlin, and you can hang out with them a little bit. Just trying to build that personal relationship is going to be extremely helpful as well. That makes total sense, Jorge, the idea of uh, speaking at least the basics of the language. But let me share with you just a quick story how that's continued to get me in trouble because I'm with you. I, I'm trying my hardest to do that. I'm picking up the basic uh, greetings and obviously some of the things that I know I'm going to have to buy and, and talk to others to get. I will pick that up and I'll start saying it. And all of a sudden they think, oh, they speak our language. And then they just start fluently speaking to me in the native language. I'm like, I don't know where to go from this. So, um, But uh, it, it's been a fun challenge. I, I like to talk to people who speak multiple languages. You speak four proficiently, from, at least from a business standpoint. I have to ask this question. Which language do you think in? Uh, well, my wife is French and we speak, I'm, I'm in Spanish, and we live in the U.S. for six years now. We just moved back. I have to say, like, we mix at home, like, three languages because also we have someone to help with our baby that it only speaks English. So I would say at home we speak three languages all the time and everyone is changing from one to another one. And at this point, I think I still think in Spanish, but I mix a lot with English and French for sure. But, yeah, my CEO was surprised the other day to see me. We were in an event, actually, and there were customers from all over the, uh, Europe, uh, specifically Southern Europe. And, and he was amazed by seeing me speaking like from one conversation to another one, switching from Italian to French to Spanish or English. It's a bit of a mix in my mind, but I would say Spanish. <laughs> I love that. And I'm so impressed by it because, you know, I, by no means do I mean all Americans, but for a lot of us, 
we don't think about anyone other than ourselves. And so we think, well, the rest of the world will just learn to adapt to us and they'll speak English. Uh, and so we don't learn to fluently speak other languages, but yet I've met so many Europeans that know three, four, five languages. And it's just something that, uh, that I'm impressed by. So uh, you talked about multiple size of companies as well. You've worked for big companies that, you know, it, it was a little bit easier to open the doors because you get to use the brand and you get to use the organization, the organization's connections. You've also been in smaller companies where you are kind of your own brand, where you're expected to hunt and knock down doors. Let me ask you this, being multinational now and traveling all over uh, Europe to sell uh, into EMEA, how are you mostly opening doors with new prospects today? Right now, what we are doing is like we have an office in London and we are and I'm based in Madrid. So the idea is that we cover the whole, I mean, I cover more the Southern European countries, but also touch base as well with some German, Netherlands, uh, sorry, Dutch customers. But what we are working on is basically identifying every single event where we see that there are decision makers and trying to attend to them. That's the first thing. Also, the other one is we have done a huge analysis of understanding basically uh, the potential, uh, all the potential customers that we identify in Europe in different verticals by country. Uh, we actually have a team of business development reps, uh, all of them based in New York. They speak several languages and they help us actually to connect, to outreach and connect with uh, some customers here in Europe. So I know GDPR was obviously a really big thing. Uh clearly here in Europe, because that's where it came from. But we, we adopted a lot of it in the United States as well. H has that challenged you uh, anyway? Give me, give me an update. You know, we're a few months into that. Give me an update of how, how GTR, I'm sorry, GDPR has affected you as a salesperson. Not really. Actually, not at all. <laughs> that's, and that's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Like, I've been reading that. Like, there was this big humbub about it. And now, like, everyone I'm talking to is like, yeah, no, it really didn't do anything at all. I'm still getting, you know, as much outreach as I was before, maybe not even more. So interesting. And the software, the software we use to get email address and email and phone numbers and all the stuff, everything keeps working the same way. So I don't see really any impact on GDPR for sales purposes. Well, let's talk about this uh, remote first uh, uh, culture that you guys had. You know, I know communication is critical in any company, in any relationship, especially in the sales relationships. But how are you managing, again, the multicultural aspect of it, as well as everyone in your company is remote? All of your customers are remote. Like, talk to me about that. So the first, th the first thing I did was to join WeWork. And the main reason is because, obviously, I'm a, I'm a social person and I need to have people around. And to be socializing, like, in a daily basis, I feel I need to have enough conversation per day. I feel that's the first thing. And being remote can be very difficult. I, I, I don't see myself working from home only, at least today. Uh, and, and I have a baby, actually. And I thought, like, oh, working from home could be good and all this stuff. But after two weeks, I couldn't do it anymore. And I have to join a WeWork. And that was the first thing. The second thing is Slack save our lives. And I think especially for remote works and all this stuff. It's communication that we have and transparency within the organization is huge. I know absolutely, I mean, we're also a data company. So we have absolutely everything track. And we have absolutely transparency from each department. So if I want to go and see what's going on the product side, what's going on in the marketing side, what's going on on the finance side, I'm going to go by myself and I can see it. The second thing is like we're all very committed to our timings, meetings, internal meetings I'm talking about. 
And we cannot miss any meeting unless there is a huge urgency or there is a customer conversation that is always first. But yeah, I think like that commitment uh, being remote is super important because otherwise like you lose the track. You don't feel attached to the company. You don't feel attached to your, to your colleagues. You don't learn from your colleagues as well. It's super important for me to know what's going on in LA and San Francisco uh, so I can talk about it here in Madrid uh, or in Paris. And the same for them. It's very important for them to know what's going on here because maybe we come up with some new ideas. Totally understand what you're saying there, uh, Jorge, the need for the social uh, conversations, being able to talk to other people. As I've traveled around the world, I've done my best to pop into co-working spaces when they have been available to me because working from home or working from the Airbnbs that we're staying in, uh, I love my family to death, but I can't get anything done when they're around because they think, oh, dad's there. I can go ask him a question. I'm like, I'm trying to get work done. So uh, totally, totally understand that. Jorge, I, I love this conversation. I know I could continue to talk to you all day. You are a wealth of knowledge. I got to take a quick break so that I can say thank you to my sponsors. When we come back, it's going to be time for the money round. So you don't go away and sales sooners, you don't go away either. We'll be right back. Costello is pioneering the way companies build and execute sales playbooks. The platform helps sales reps prepare for calls, ask timely questions, tell relevant stories, and sync insights back to their CRM, all while showing managers and reps the gaps in every single deal so they can work them together to move them forward. With Costello, sales leaders can identify what's working on the front line and replicate success across their entire team. Learn more and see a demo at andcostello.com. That's A-N-D-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O.com. We're back and it's time for the money round. Jorge, are you ready for the money round? Let's go for it. Here we go. What's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? Listening and understanding deeply my partner's challenges and success. I think uh, empathy and listening are the two first things, actually. If you were to start over today in sales, what would you tell yourself to spend the next 30 days doing? Becoming an industry expert by reading case studies, learning from my competitors, the market, the industry, attending to industry events, and also learning about all existing customer success and failures that my company had. Two-part question for you here. Which phrase describes you best and why? I love to win or I hate to lose? I love to win because I hate to lose. (laughs) What's a book that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others? I really like Sapiens from Yuval Noah. Sales Tuners, if you'd like to check out Jorge's suggestion of Sapiens for free, head over to salestuners.com slash book. And there you can sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible and browse their over 150,000 titles. Again, that's salestuners.com slash book to check out Sapiens. Jorge, what is currently at the top of your bucket list? I think things that I don't want to miss is continue living the life like at maximum every day. So I think traveling all over the world, something like you're doing, it would be definitely an experience. I don't want to miss any uh, culture or country out there that is exciting and, and would be great actually to see everything for the end of my days. So yeah. What's the biggest piece of advice you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding today? More than anything, become an industry expert and build on lasting relationships with your external partners and also with your product teams. One of the things I'm very grateful for in this trip around the world is getting to leverage this podcast to meet some great professionals, both listeners of the show and new guests. If you want to connect with Jorge, LinkedIn is the best approach. Just tell him you heard this conversation on Sales Sooners. 
Let's get to my top takeaways. Number one, change your mindset. It is my strong belief that the next generation of great sellers will be subject matter experts that have been taught how to sell rather than salespeople who learn about a portfolio of products. With information being readily accessible and buyers expecting more every day, you owe it to yourself to become an industry expert. Not in sales, but in the industry you're selling into. You need to know your buyer's world just as well as they do to be able to communicate why your solution could help them solve their problem. Number two, learn the local language. Yes, this episode was specific to languages spoken in different countries, but if you think about it, your buyers speak a different language as well. This goes back to the first takeaway. How do they want to be spoken to? What are their expectations around cold outreach? What motivates them? Is there seasonality in their business or their industry? I'm not saying you have to change the way you sell. I'm just saying that you need to be aware of these things as it will give you a huge advantage. Number three, build relationships with partners. What better way to become an industry expert and learn the local language than by building strong relationships with other partners in the space? Think about who else is already successfully selling into your target customer base. What do they know that you don't? Who could they make introductions to if they trusted you? In my world, I call this a power circle, and I'm always looking to align with four other companies or sales reps that sell non-competing products into the same market. That's it. Those are my takeaways, but I'd love to hear yours. Please tweet at me, at SalesTuners, or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. I reply to every message that I get. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, I'm Jim Brown. Let's make it rain. Thank you for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. And they stay there.